You're listening to Coach Talk, a podcast about coaching for improvement in health and social care. Here you will meet several international experts and coaches to discuss challenges, opportunities, models and tools that might be useful when you coach others to make improvements. All right, and good afternoon all our listeners. And we are again in Sweden, but this time I'm talking to Kiku. Your name is Kiku, but your real name is Karen. Yes, that's true. Yes. And you are working in Stockholm. Yes, I am. I'm uh, a pediatrician. Yes. I work in the pediatric emergency department at the Karolinska Hospital. But I'm also a uh, researcher in patient safety and improvement research. Okay. And you are a coach. You are coaching clinic, yes, clinical I have, um, teams. A role, um, I've been uh, coaching clinical teams, both in um, learning about um, escalating situations and, and uh, in simulated situations, but I also have a, a background in uh, quality improvement and I've been uh, coaching a lot of teams in quality improvement projects, both uh, in the patient safety field, but also in, in, with, with other goals. All right, all right. And uh, my name is Nicoline Wackerberg, and I'm a development leader in Kulturen. And very nice chatting with you. Um, you said you are doing things in simulations. Yes. What kind of simulations are you doing? So I use simulation uh, in many different ways. I think uh, that simulation as a pedagogy is really uh, uh, an interesting tool in the, in the sense that you can uh, uh, train teams. Uh, to care for acutely ill, in our, in our case it's mostly uh, children, uh, so they can train in a safe environment. But if you uh, achieve sort of a high fidelity in the simulation, you can learn also a lot about both the medical aspects, the technical skills of taking care of a patient, but you can also reflect and learn a lot about the non-technical aspects, such as leadership, communication, uh, how the team cooperates, uh, how you lead and delegate tasks and so on. Uh, so we, we use that for team training, but we also use that actually to reflect on work practices. So uh, I use simulation also as a tool to bring teams into uh, new uh, parts of the hospital that we just built. And uh, they uh, do their normal work processes in this new uh, building. And uh, part of the refle reflection then is to learn about how their work practices actually work in this new setting. So I think it's a, an in, sort of an interesting tool to work with uh, when you uh, facilitate learning about what we do in healthcare and how we can learn from it. Are people willing to come to simulations? Yes, I would say it's, yeah. it's um, I think it's becoming more and more of a normal thing to do. Yeah. I know that we, when we began running simulations, a lot of people were afraid uh, that we would judge them or that they would be oh. judged by their colleagues. Uh, but I think that we've been very uh, uh, sort of focused on building uh, an allowing and learning uh, environment. And I think that uh, that is also a parallel to when I coach teams in quality improvement is to uh, the role of the coach to actually create an environment where people can feel like they can ask any question, where they can actually challenge each other, that, well, they can challenge themselves and sort mm -hmm. of think about why are we doing things in, in the way we're doing right now. 
Yeah. So you are coaching teams and you are coaching in simulations. Yes. Um, I wonder, do we really need coaches? Can't them, they do it by themselves? Or why, do we, why should we coach them? Well, I think that uh, in a sense, as, a, an, as an individual and as a team, you could develop sort of coaching uh, capabilities. Uh, but um, so that you can actually, through uh, asking questions, you could sort of uh, achieve some of that reflection and learning that you can do. But it's a it's a different uh, it's a different task if you go into a team situation to coach the team or to be part of the team. So uh, what we do is uh, we try to teach uh, teams to do self reflection after a task so that they will. After they've finished the task, it could be a clinical task or a group task in an improvement project. Uh, we coach them to ask questions about what went well, what could we do differently, and how, how can we achieve that for the next time? What will we sort of think about? So in that sense, uh, I think that uh, uh, you can sort of self do self-coaching. But I also think that the, the part of, the, of a coach to actually uh, be with the team sometimes just observe and do sort of some input uh, that's a different task in a team and a different skill set and, and my goal when I coach teams is to actually uh, promote their learning. Okay but you are both, you are a pedi bit pediatrician yes. and a coach. Um, how, how do you keep these rules? Uh, I I think I, I really try to focus on what my task is today. So if I am uh, one situation where I can actually, in a sense, do a little bit of both is when I'm the attending physician in a, a code situation in our emergency room. I will both have the, the task of being uh, the highest sort of medical responsible person. But I also have uh, a role in that when we finish with the task, Part of how I lead the team is also that I initiate a reflection uh, within that. But then my role is not so much to talk about my uh, thoughts and uh, sort of experiences from that, uh, from that code, but to actually facilitate for the team to reflect on what they did. So I think that for, for me, keeping those things apart is to be very clear with myself of what role do I actually have in the team today. So, but your role is changing. It's it can be a half an hour you are the doctor. Yes. And the last ten minutes you are the coach. Yes. 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 Do do you in in some way show it that now I'm your coach? Now now I'm going to change my role. I think as a coach or facilitator, yeah. you can use uh, you can use uh, tools for structuring the situation, and that that is how I signal or lead. Yeah. But um, in a sense, I think that being able to do this, it's not separate from my professional role as a, as a leader or a mm -hmm. doctor. It's sort of part of what I do also in my everyday work. It's not that I sort of step out of my professional role. It's sort of part of being a professional to also be, be able to sort of uh, reflect on and learn from what we do in everyday practice. Yeah, so you're, you're making these reflections directly after, yes. after a task. Yes. Um, do you leave that role to somebody else when you see that, oh, my team is so major, so I don't need to take that part. I can leave it to somebody else. We have tried to make this uh, part of our sort of 
routine way of working. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we actually have um, in the emergency room we have a, a board with a, a whiteboard with some points on it, bullet points uh, that will that that actually provide sort of a structure for that type of reflection and can help a person to ask questions or prompt questions. Okay. So. I sometimes do that, but it's also my role uh, when I am at work to be a supernumerary physician and to actually coach people in that work situation. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times I will take on that role uh, and with the goal to sort of facilitate learning also among the team team members. But we try to work very transparently. So it's not sort of a magic thing that I do. It's something that is a habit that I try to role model, but that I also sort of teach how to how the teams can do by themselves. And this habit, did you get it in your education as a doctor or how did you get this habit? That's a very interesting question. I think that as a person, I've always mm -hmm. been um, very much sort of reflecting on not only what I'm doing, but also how we were doing it and so on. So I think that it was definitely triggered in my education, but uh, I have also learned from a, a, lo a lot of other coaching uh, both methods, but also people, uh, different ways of actually doing this. And uh, we now teach this type of reflection on yeah. action yeah. techniques. Uh, when I uh, I do train the trainer of uh, instructors for Sims education, for example, and I also do it um, um, when I uh, coach coaches of quality improvement. To sort of teach this quite simple tools of just reflecting after you've done something and, and trying to sort of capture those quite detailed uh, things that you can pick up when you when you do reflection on action or after action. So. Yeah, yeah. So what I was thinking about, you said we have a whiteboard that's helpful. We have yes. some questions on the whiteboard. Yes. Um, there, I think there are some listeners quite curious. But yeah. what kind of questions are on the whiteboard? So it's it's a mixed list. Some of them have to have to do with like, are we done with the patient? Do we have a plan for the patient? Is mm. is that actually? Uh, but there there are also uh, questions that are very much sort of what went well yeah. and why. Yeah. So uh, actually giving examples and that we try to have everybody reflect on them uh, by themselves first, uh, and then we uh, allow for feedback from other group members to also sort of help them. Uh, and part of why we, we why we start with what went well is that uh, my experience is that a lot of teams in medicine are very well are, are really very sort of fast and well uh, equipped of, on uh, sort of identifying all that went bad yeah. you know yeah. that didn't go mm. as planned or that way they felt like they didn't actually so so it's almost like that that comes as a reflex yes so, so uh, but what we actually want to sort of um, take with us to the next time when we stand in the emergency room, uh, it's actually to reinforce those things that actually went well, hmm. because those are the things that actually helped us take care of the patient and communicate well. And those are the behaviors that we want to reinforce. So we uh, do that, but we then also talk about, okay, so what could, could we have done differently? Uh, and we try to do it in a, in a constructive way, not sort of, so what was bad or what, what what did somebody do wrong? It's more about sort of, okay, so we as a team, what, what could we have done differently? And, and what can you as an individual, I can sort of invite an individual to reflect on 
so what can I actually learn from this and, and, and try to do differently next time? Yeah, so you're in this learning um, learning team, yes. learn, learning yes. healthcare team. Yeah. But how do you get the learning from your team to the next team? So um, we have established at my workplace mm. uh, morning and day meetings. So every shift starts with a briefing. Yeah. So if we identify things from those types of reflections, uh, there is an opportunity to uh, spread them through these mor uh, morning meetings and afternoon meetings and when the night shift starts as well. Does it work? Uh, I mean, I think that sort of trying to sustain change in, in, uh, in an emergency department is like building sandcastles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not sort of something that you do uh, at, w at one time. No. Uh, it's something that you do as a task every shift. Mm. So I think that part of what I do in my role is also to reinforce those uh, lessons so that the next time we actually are in the emergency room, we will again sort of reinforce those things through uh, coaching and training and so on. But um, it's, not, it's not something that I can do sort of once or send out a, an email and then everybody gets it. It's, no, no, no. It's sort no. of an ongoing I, I was thinking, I was just thinking uh, about the whiteboard. Uh, because you have your questions there and maybe you, you have a change, you make a change that now, now, now we are doing this another way. Um, could you put something on the whiteboard that the yeah. next team will see it? Okay, we are doing it this way. Yeah, no, that's... Um, that's um... Because I still think it's, uh, it's very good that you have your meetings, uh, but the next shift is coming and the next shift mm -hmm. is coming. So how do we get this sustainability? And today, for me, I think that's a very big... Um, challenge how, mm. how do we make sustainable changes mm. and not just one team that yes we learned a lot oh and that is very true i think that we've tried to build in some type of um, uh, system like that uh, but we also want to not be only in the in the place where people start changing work practices by themselves just mm. based on one team's reflection so uh, we try to have uh, if there is some an issue that comes up many times, we will definitely sort of redo the checklist. But it also needs to stay the same because we have so many different people coming into our system. So if we change every yeah, I, every I shift, understand. we it, it becomes also part of the the sort of workplace stress to have new routines all the time. Yes, yes. but it's it's a very good idea too, and so I think it's a challenge also in in many organizations not to just coach the learning of individuals and teams but to also coach the organizational learning all right um, keep the organizational learning it's another level yes and um, th that is a very difficult level um, you are coaching teams are you coaching big organizations also on that level i have um, in part of the projects that we do uh, we have also tried to actually change the work practices that we uh, have in the organization. In, and that is a different task and a different coaching task in, in a sense. Because um, in that case it has to do with actually as a coach also um, working more uh, from a systematic improvement approach using those methods. So, so uh, what is the difference in the methods? Um, I think that um, the biggest difference is that if you want to work with changing work practices, yes. one of the things that you have to do is to actually establish an improvement organization. At least mm. it's, it's uh, true for many of our settings. Mm. 
Uh, so we need to have the managers on board. We need to have a team that has dedicated time to do this. We need to establish maybe some measurement support. So it becomes uh, also uh, something that you need to sometimes design for if you don't already have that infrastructure for learning in place. Because otherwise it will be, as you were talking about, that you make a lot of progress, but that stays in the improvement team and nothing happens. Yeah. So for me, it's also thinking about sort of when should I as a coach sort of shift gears and say that this is so important and, and a big change. So we need to sort of engage in that type of more systematic improvement work and we need to sometimes design for it and maybe wait for a while, which can be very frustrating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think everybody recognized that. But yeah. All right. So, so the, the different levels, um, the, in the different levels, you coach in different ways. And you say you have need to have patience when you want to have the big changes, the big organizational changes. Yeah. Um, and then the frustration is coming. So, so how are you coping with the frustrations of the team who wants to go quicker than the whole organization? It depends. I mean, I have had teams uh, where I have become sort of the, you know, uh, obstacle in their, in their eyes. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm sort of talking about that we need to establish this organization. We need to have some baseline measurements. We need to sort of think about what we are actually doing before we do it. And uh, I've had some teams where I've just had to let them try the change uh, sometimes. Uh, without a baseline. Without a baseline. Yeah. Uh, because I think also when having worked with change processes for many years now, yeah. I know how extremely uh, slow they are. So I think in the beginning of my career as a coach, I was afraid that if a team did that, they would sort of ruin the baseline. But yeah. now I know that if we want to actually implement a change in an organization and to test it, that has to be done. It's a lot of work to prep for that. So yeah. if you don't do that work and you just go ahead and say that, okay, so we just need to put up a sign here in the coffee room and everybody will get it and then everybody will work like this, uh, then uh, usually not much happens. No. So it's, 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 it's not that, I mean, I have a bigger respect for the sort of status quo now than I maybe mm. did in the beginning and if some team actually surprises me by putting up the sign in the coffee room and then it happens and it and, and if it's something important then I just welcome it I mean it's uh, then it's uh, sort of something that was mature anyway and that everybody wanted to do so so if you don't have a baseline how do you know that the change is an improvement I think that usually in a lot of healthcare settings we have some type of baseline mm. anyway so sometimes that it needs to be more of an archaeological approach so that you go back and you look at maybe measurements that you have in the system that are related to this mm. i have sometimes done interviews with people after the fact so you use more of a qualitative approach yeah yeah and you talk about maybe so could you identify not not only has it become better but what has become better and why do you think that so mm. Uh, depending on the type of change and depending also on if you're conducting research based on this or not, you don't always have to be so rigid when it, when that happens. But uh, most, most of the time, the teams that have sort of run ahead and done stuff have come back and said, you know, nothing happened. Can you please help us? Mm. And then we've, we've been able to sort of talk about uh, 
the, the benefits of actually having a systematic approach and having data to show that actually when you use this new way of working, this and this happened, because that in itself becomes a very sort of strong argument for yeah, so maybe it. if you don't have a baseline, um, but you start measuring, yes. so then you can see it. Okay, now something is happening. Yeah. Um, I like that, that you don't uh, have the rigid part, you have to do this in place first, and then you can get going. Uh, because I also think you need to keep the energy in the group. Yes. And if the group really wants to go, uh, they are getting crazy if you want to, to yeah. block them. Yeah. And they don't believe you, and they don't. They want to have another coach. Yeah. Um, so the... That's a nice part. I also think for the listeners that um, it's okay. It's okay. Not in all the cases. Maybe 90% it's, it's good with a baseline. But 10% is going without a baseline. And it's okay. But you have to do something else afterwards. Yeah. No. And I, I still think it's important to, in a systematic way, understand if the change was an improvement or not. Of course. Yeah. In some way, you, you need to prove that. Yes. Yes. Is there anything else you want to talk about in this little time we have? Oh, there are a lot of things, but I think that uh, one of the challenges that I have been uh, sort of um, uh, focusing on throughout my career is that when, when you are uh, an improvement coach and you have a strong foot in the organization, as I have done uh, throughout my career as, uh, in working with improvements, I think it's even more important to think about sort of uh, what is my role? Is my role right now to actually help the team, to coach the team, to, to reach their conclusions. Uh, because sometimes you uh, can be so caught up by the idea that they're working on, so you, you uh, become problem solving or fixing instead. Uh, mm. And that's a different approach. Uh, of course, if the team asks me, uh, so what have other people tried? Uh, then I can give them information or I can point them in a direction. So you, you, may, you might want to do a study visit at that place or phone that person and, and interview them. But um, as a coach, uh, in the beginning, I felt it was hard not to uh, be, become engaged in the clinical mm -hmm. issues because I am a clinician. So yeah. uh, I think having a clarity of what role I'm in, that's uh, something that you have to sort of find your own approach to as a as a coach yeah not coming with the answers but yes. but fishing them up yeah. fishing them up coming from with the, questions. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 very nice talking to you thank you so much oh thanks for having me okay bye bye this podcast is made by kulturum design and learning center in sweden